Nate, have you seen that you've got something in common with Greg Wallace? What, other than my buttery biscuit base? <laughs> uh, Greg Wallace did one of those, you know, day in the life of columns. When he writes about necrons. So, you know, so it was in the Telegraph magazine. It was called Greg Wallace, My Saturday. And there's so much... With respect to Greg Wallace, I understand that this probably isn't every Saturday. I understand that this was put together by... some. He didn't write this. Someone asked him questions about what he does. It was kind of slapped together. It probably doesn't paint a picture of the man. However, the picture it does paint is of a twat, and it's very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Is that what you're implying I have in common with the man? (laughs) No. So at 3 p.m., he says... I'm an amateur historian, full stop. I spend two hours by myself in my home office. Can you guess what he says next? Uh, Is it thinking about Mesopotamia? No, it's playing Total War Saga Thrones of Britannia. (laughs) Okay, I didn't see that one coming. Why Thrones of Britannia? (laughs) We can only guess. Some of the other highlights are that uh, he has a four-year-old non-verbal autistic son who he then goes on to say he didn't want to have. Um, no. Because his wife wanted a kid and he didn't. Um, he also uh, goes uh, for breakfast at the Harvester at 10.30 and he says, I've regularly been disappointed in three-star Michelin restaurants around Europe, but never in a Harvester. <laughs> now that's, that's like demonic partridge. The it's so good. <laughs> That's breakfast at ten thirty. Back home for lunch at twelve. So he's really, <laughs> but really my compressing his meals. My favorite favorite bit is that he says seven a.m. I work out five days a week. I'm down at the gym half an hour before it opens. Who some poor fucker has to get start their shift early so they can open up for fucking Greg Wallace. <laughs> Do you reckon he just like waits outside the door, glowering and hammering on it? <laughs> yes. Welcome, listener, to this season three, episode five. Definitely episode five this week, right? That's yeah. It could be, uh, yeah. Is or is it, it is six? It, is it six? I think. Oh God! I think it's six. I think. Now, hang on. Six. You said for sure on your email. I'm going to look at my emails live on air. Oh okay, no! Wait, no, it is five. I apologise. You said it is in fact time. episode five this time. Yeah. There we go. I was, I was wrong last time. Yeah. See, I knew it. James trying to throw me off. Um, I, I'll, I'll hands up. <laughs> uh, this week we are talking about games that sort of aren't games. Maybe um, uh, not Greg Wallace, although at least the Greg Wallace bit was kind of games adjacent because he's an amateur historian who plays Total War Saga Thrones in Britannia. <laughs> Is that like his qualification as an amateur historian? Because if so, that's baller. I know, yeah, he does it a lot in the thing. Uh, he has a a well a new health and well being podcast called A Piece of Cake, 
He says, I love chatting to the experts, but I'm quite the expert too, having been journaling, manifesting, goal setting and reading self-help books for years. Do you know, like... Hang on, isn't like manifesting like an unhinged Tumblr thing? That's... No, uh, manifesting is it has been around for years. Uh, manifesting is when you like want something and then it happens but i guess there's it implied that you have to make it happen but like i believe oh, noel is this like noel edmund's warlockery yeah 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 noel edmund's said he was manifesting a challenge and then he got deal or no deal you know <laughs> uh but uh greg wallace also says he's in bed at 8 p.m i've tried sitting on the sofa eating biscuits but i don't find it fulfilling and he's normally asleep by nine Do you know so when at nine o'clock tonight know that greg wallace is drifting off he's just you know? like suplexing himself backwards into an obsidian slab where he'll become a, a 2d image of the devil for the night <laughs> listen long time listeners will know that i'm a big fan of greg wallace's inside the factory which is where he just goes to a big mechanized shed and then looks at uh um <laughs> A production line, which they'll, obviously they don't turn off. So he's just there wearing a hairnet, despite the fact he has no hair, shouting at someone from Northumberland, going, <laughs> You're telling me that these tomatoes are going to travel 10 miles just inside this building? It's great. I fucking love it. <laughs> Is it inside the factory game. No, that's John Tarode. That's who's right. His part. I don't know why I've got so much Greg Wallace knowledge. <laughs> Instant recall. <laughs> the deep Greg Wallace lore. <sighs> I don't know how to segue this, honestly. Because um, normally I ask you how you both are, but I feel like we should get going with as little nonsense as possible. We're talking about the rise of games without any goals or restrictions, because there have been a few. Do you no. know the Do you know the sort of games we're talking about? Do you mean like a sandbox game or an immersive sim? No, so they're like or the Australian um, questioning intonation. <laughs> I think James, you know, like Townscaper, right? And like, um, uh, there is one called Godbox, uh, where you just like set a world going and then watch what happens. You know, like. Oh, you mean World Box? Yeah, 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 World Box. Oh, I got one. quite into that, actually, yeah. Yeah. But then I kind of fell off it because it was sort of pointless, which I think is what we're talking about. Yeah, well, this is this is it, isn't it? So Townscaper was uh, everyone loved um, and, you know, we're, we're big old fans of. Um, uh, and then uh, in the Steam Next Fest which is going on still, and we're writing about loads of demos. You can check out the Steam Nexus tag on Rock Pepper Shotgun. The, uh, it's Summer House, which is where you just make a nice little... You can make, like, a summer house somewhere, or you can make, like, a little restaurant or whatever, a little shop. Um, is, is, there's a demo in the Steam Nexus. There's Dystopica, which is where you just build a steampunk city. And you can like add advertising and lights and stuff and like make the buildings taller and shorter and things. There's one coming out, uh, I, it's not a demo for it, but 
uh, it's coming soon. It's called Monterona and you just build like a little Italian town and you can even just, there's a button for placing Vespers, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen, you've seen these, right, James? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't played any of them, uh, admittedly. But yeah, uh, so, uh, Summer House in particular looks looks very pretty. It's very cute. I'm going to be real with you. I never actually played Townscaper. Can you can you proceed it for me? Because I think in some sort of awful elitist way, I skipped it because I didn't think it was, you know, a needlessly complex enough city builder. But I think I might have missed out on saying lovely. It is lovely, but it isn't. Yeah, you. it's not a city builder. You just like put down blocks and then it will sort of procedurally make a town based on just where you put stuff. So okay, you, so it's like an, an artistic effort. Yeah, this is it. And this is what I w- sort of wanted to talk about. Like, first of all, do we think people are just, you know, seeking ways to feel creative and artistic, but without having to learn to build a game? Do you know? What I, is I th- the impulse? I don't know. It's not an entirely new phenomenon because people have been creative for creativity's sake in games for ages you know whether it's it's a minecraft or if if it's like modded building games to give you infinite resources or like map making tools that let you build a greg's in far cry 5 mm-hmm. um i think the difference with with these games like like summer house or um this dystropica um is just that they're designed and built and marketed specifically to appeal to you know that that right side of your brain that just does want to make stuff for the hell of it, yeah. Mm. Which is fine. Which is fine. Like, uh, great, great, cool. Um, it's just a matter of you know having that approach built in rather than it being something, well, rather than it's like the player bending the parameters of a more traditionally gamey game. Well, this is a uh, an interesting point as well because you know we're sort of coming close to the idea of play. And mm. and what play is, you know. Um, so, Nate, you're a great one for dicking about in in games and sort of subverting what you're supposed to do in them. Is it less fun when there is nothing to subvert? Um, God, this is an absolutely fantastic question. Um, <clears throat> it's so looking at this from, and I I hate to um. I hate to be that guy, but uh, looking at this from a neurodivergent perspective, um, I know I often, like when I'm struggling to motivate myself to, you know, like produce things or be creative, I will often, yeah, I will often play games to try and get my my brain working um, because I'm not having to to sort of fill a blank page. I'm not having to make creative decisions. I'm being handed a series of dilemmas and having to come up with answers on the fly, um, which is, yeah, which is less intimidating intellectually. Um, And I think sometimes where I have a really, really good time is where I, I start to do a game as a structured exercise like that, but then actually start to feel very creative and start dicking around with a game that isn't really meant to be dicked around with. Um, so I think that's the, but then looking at games like Dwarf Fortress, which I spent years and years on, um, and you know, that, that, that's, that's a very aimless game. Um, 
Or rather, yeah, it's, it's about making your own objectives, I suppose. But mm. you couldn't say that of something like um, Townscaper, could you? Yeah, well, that's there aren't any objectives, which I, I suppose is sort of the point. And the question I asked you both over email is, if there are no goals, is it even a game? Uh, and you, Nate, quipped, not if it's a, a game of football. Although you can have a game of football without any goals, right? It's just a nil-nil draw. Oh, yeah. I don't even know about nil-nil. I'm no kind of a football fan. So do we think, like, for a, a video game to be like a game, you need some sort of purpose, no. you know? <laughs> Uh, no, I, if, no. Okay. I think Good. if there's still an input and an output for the sake of leisure and enjoyment, then yeah, you can call it a game. Why not? And you could, you could, nice. You, you could argue like, like if you if a game has goals, but the goals are like meaningless, then is that like is that is that a game? Like, but it but it is because you know ultimately like most objectives in games are meaningless because they don't. Um, you know, they don't affect real life. Um, I'm suddenly yeah, no, intensely is... reminded. Do you remember in about 2010, maybe? Like, Charlie Brooker just pole vaulted over a mega mouth shark by claiming Twitter was the greatest video game of all time. I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> it ain't it, Chief. Yeah, very clever, but like aged badly. Um, um, also, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Also, I don't know if Ugh. these games are ever um, like fully without goals, as you are. St you're still like endeavouring towards building a house or a village or a cyberpunk city. So it's not like the goals don't exist. It's more like it's just something you set for yourself, and the game just facilitates that by not adding any you know time or resource restrictions on it. Yeah, that seems a pretty good definition. This is fair. Uh, okay, next question then. Do you like games like this? Oh. Uh... The, the silence <laughs> speaks volumes. It's, it, it, it's weird because I, I probably wouldn't like download any of these, if I'm honest. Um, but having said that, like, I have played a lot of Minecraft and I have a lot, like most of my time in that is just spent I don't know, just like build, <laughs> building stuff and and like wandering mm. around. Um, you know, it's not. Well, necessarily yeah, that's a brilliantly aimless game, actually. Yeah, it's not necessarily too. Oh, I'm I'm doing this so I can like go and kill the Ender Dragon or whatever. Um, it's just I want to make this nice gravel path because I think a gravel path would look nice here. Actually, yeah. I'm just cranking mm. my brain now and. Actually, this week I've been playing quite a lot of Planet Zoo. Um, and that mm. is a... I'm just going to come out and say it's a rubbish strategy game. Um, it's, just, it's, you know, um, it's not its strength. It's an incredible art game because I can make a zoo. And I, I worship that game for what it does. You know, please, if you're listening, Frontier, don't be offended that I think it's a rubbish strategy game. That's not why I play it. And that's exactly the thing. You know, it's technically, I should be playing it to get my management kibble, but I'm I'm not. I just, you know, want to situate a card mm. piece. <laughs> so I do like those kinds of game, actually. Uh, I 
am on the fence about them because I get like I get a bit frustrated with them quite quick because I'm a list oriented person. Um, do you know what I mean? And I like being given concrete things to do and achieve. And if I don't have concrete things to do and achieve, how do I know if I am doing the creativity <laughs> well? <laughs> no, know? I get that. I get that. It's like it's like the joke that um, I'm going to get a good grade in therapy, something that is both pos- uh, uh, healthy to want <laughs> and possible to achieve. You know. Do you like um? Do you like survival uh, crafting games, Alice? Because because no. that's interesting. Because they are nothing but lists. But their lists are not very good. At. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I like um, I like crafting games like Stardew Valley, where I won't die if I'm not good enough at it. You know. That's fair. I'm like I'm I'm like the millennial that everyone makes fun of. I want a participation trophy. <laughs> yeah, you know. And so I really liked um, uh, Little Witch of the Woods, which is a to-do list. Oh game. yeah, I played that. Yeah, that's, know? that's pretty pretty cute. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that the long? Um, yeah, it's real cute. The longing was um, that sort of game. In in some respects. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because you like. Yeah, because you're, you're you. I suppose you prioritized what you wanted to do yourself, um, but once you'd explored, you could be like, right, today I'm going to try and do this, and um, or you know, I'm going to try and escape, um, that that kind of thing. So because you were very much playing that as a to-do it was very list, it was a slow was your to do list, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, right, I want to like make his house a bit nicer because it's depressing. But ultimately, we want to escape uh, from under the boot of the the king under the mountain, you know. So that's true. I was you actually I made literal to do list. My own to do list. They were very entertaining. Yeah, in the article, it was like, yeah, thanks. Um, I've got a little shade plushie as well. They made them a makeshift. So I've got a little. He's oh, staring oh. at me now. <laughs> Very cute. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that they... I mean, partly it's obviously because people saw the big response to Townscaper and were like, people want this, you know? Like, there is a, a desire for games like this. But I wonder if it's, you know, people want to, like, make nice things and they kind of don't have time to learn how to, like, you know, do, you know, necessarily, like do the thing themselves and and they will never be able to own like a a house a holiday home so you can just make a really nice one and look at it these games are a response to capitalism yeah i I, 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 I was thinking like oh we just said like they're the fact that all these games coming out now is like a response to townscaper but i was thinking like is like townscaper and the concept in general a response to something like wider um yeah i i i i thought like just what do you... sticking to games like you have abs- i think you could absolutely could say it's a response like a wider socio-economic thing um i was wondering like is it a response to just within games so many so many games like yeah. want all your time and want all your microtransaction money 
Games really want you to commit to them long term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and having you know having having these games which basically like ask nothing of you, other other than like the time it other than the time it takes to play them. But like, I've seen I've seen the I've seen a dev playing some house and they built like a very nice, quite large uh, cafe restaurant in just like a couple in, like, in just like a couple mm. of minutes. Um, yeah, ask nothing from you in terms of like gathering resources or raising funds or anything like that or managing people. Um, and yeah, it's just something where you like mm. you you get something that you made quickly and easily and like my zoos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like trends in games are a little bit or quite a lot, I think, influenced by like larger world events because yeah, yeah. like people who make games yeah. live in the world, you know. And I, my prediction was after lockdown, we'd get like a lot of life sim games and like you know games about plants and nature and stuff because everyone had been indoors and you know more co-op stuff. And uh, and I was correct around. about that prediction. Uh, so I was smug about that. Um, so I would just, yeah, I wonder what it is. Maybe it is just they sort like how, you know, um, what should we call it? Vampire Survivors was popular. And then there were loads of similar-ish games, you know. Uh, I don't know. I just think it's very interesting. Um, let's stop talking about video games that, you know, kind of don't exist yet or do exist. <laughs> I don't know. I've lost it. I've lost my segue powers. Greg Wallace. <laughs> Fuck it, yeah. It's it's three p.m. <laughs> it's time to play a game for two hours. What have we been playing this week? Then? Uh, so I can I can finally talk about it now. Um, this is this explains my absence in a previous episode. Um, but I've been playing Apex Legends season twenty. Yeah. Um. So this is. It's. It, it very it's very much focused on like shaking up I guess the meta game of Apex Legends rather than introducing like a new hero character or a new gun or a new mode or something like that. Um, so they're adding these kind of like MOBA slash RPG style like little skill trees. So mm. when you so you like earn experience points they're called Evo points in the game, um, and they they already existed because that's how you upgraded your armor, um, but they're expanding that to. Now, like every, there are like I think three levels you can upgrade to, and t- on two of those you have a choice of like legend upgrade or like ability upgrades, um, and these can be thing anything ranging from like a short cooldown reduction to, or we can like you can use your ultimate twice, say, or you can like revive yourself once, mm. um, stuff like that. Um, at the same time, they're also like slightly changing the shield thing because. You you still like use these points to upgrade your shield capacity and dust your health pool, but you can no longer find like better shields, better armor on the ground. So that's like your only way of upgrading your shields. So like you pretty much have to get those get those Evo points, those XP points, um, if you want to you know have a chance of surviving surviving late game uh, because there will be you know high ranking murder robots who've already got theirs. Um, <laughs> It's funny because the whole the whole thing is all about 
I'm encouraging you to play in a very like aggressive, very fighty way, which I yeah. should hate, partly because that's not that's not how I'm naturally inclined to play. I like to be very particular about how and when I pick my fights, and then do a kind of like hit and run approach. Mm. Um, at the same time, though, I did try I did try playing like hyper fighty when I was demoing it. Um, I, we went to Los Angeles to respawn's offices, um, and that. Not only like went better than I expected, it was, but it was also genuinely nice to be like earning these rewards and upgrades um, as I play. Because like even even if you lose, it's like oh well, I lost, but like I I got a load of upgrades, um, and I know that's just I know that's just like monkey brain. No, but it's really to... good when something so smoothly designed it goes straight to the monkey brain. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's pure like positive reinforcement stimuli. Um, but it was also like. Probably the most fun I've had in Apex in a long time. Um, so yeah, it's not out yet. Um, I think the season launches on the 13th of February, but I do have a bit of a renewed vigor to get back into it. Uh, the only thing I'm really worried about is not how these changes affect the way I play. Uh, it's how very, very high-skilled players are going to be like even more dominant than they were before because now they have you know, all these like extra magic powers uh, and shorter cooldowns and better shields. Because um, Apex is already pretty pub stompy. And I remember one of the developers said the idea is to help the rich get richer. And it's like, I don't know Jesus. if that's entirely the right call. Um, Read the room, I, buddy. I know, I know it's like a competitive game. Um, and and it, like, it should stay that way because that's you know, why winning is fun. But sometimes it's good to help other players be competitive rather than looking at the people who are winning all the time and giving them tools to win more <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um but we'll see i i'm, I'm excited for it um uh, yeah so some in, in, interesting interesting shake-up yeah. revenant i miss him um i mean they i i think we talked about this on on nate they they kind of like read they redid like most of his abilities. So instead of like yes, that's right. You were telling so he, me. Oh, sorry. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can do like a big, big, scary jump now. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, that that, of, that was surreal. I I had the faint memory of someone else telling me and realized to my horror it had in fact been you <laughs> on the show. My brain's doing great. I was a, I was the revenant explainer all along. It's coming from inside the house. <laughs> Uh, he's actually, he's actually, he, I, I think he's a lot more fun to play now. Um, a lot more like dynamic and also, but also like less bullshit to fight against. Um, because they, they changed his ultimate basically. So instead of like you kill him once and he just comes back to life now, it's, it's basically just like adding shields to him to make him a bit tankier. Sure. Um, so there's, which is like not good to, <laughs> not fun to fight against, but it's, <laughs> it's less. Horrible than when than when you get like a complete fair kill on a guy and he just like reappears again. Like I wouldn't go so far as to say it was enjoyable. But <laughs> he's still Barney in it. <laughs> Simpsons meme. Anyway, yeah, uh, season twenty. It's good. Looking forward to it. Nice. Okay, and as discussed, uh, LA awful. Um, the <laughs> just, I don't know why. I just. Whatever it's mentioned, there has to be like drive by a lot of the people of Los Angeles. Not the people. The people are fine. It's the the city. The city itself must be stopped. Um, 
I have been playing a couple of things. I've been playing Escape from Mistwood Mansion, which is a room escape game, sort of similar to Escape Academy. Um, there are some nice hidden uh, achievements in there because you're a delivery driver. You turn up with this parcel. So if you carry the parcel all the way through and deliver it, uh, you get an achievement for that. That's really cool. Um, it's maybe a bit short um, compared to some other works in the in the oeuvre, in the egg. But... Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, there's also Clem, which is a really, really cute... I'm going to try and write about it this week. Um, really lovely point-and-click adventure, puzzle adventure. Uh, sort of slightly sinister, like creepy cute. So you play as a little um, homunculus kind of sack boy made by a terrifying little girl who does magic. Um, and she wants you to collect different aspects for a spell she's doing. So you have to get like... Um, I, can't, I think intelligence, uh, which is represented by a spider, so you have to get a spider, you know, and persistence, which is a snail, and you have to catch all these little insects and then deliver them to her, and she's quite creepy, you know? Um, so, yeah, uh, that's really cute. It's from the... Uh, it's published by the developers of uh, Strange Horticulture, which people will know I loved. So uh, have a look at that as well. One thing I really like about it is that because you're like a little sack creature, like a little cloth doll your um, inventory is inside your head because your head's got a zip on the back of it. <laughs> so when you pick stuff no. up, you shove it inside your head. It's cute. Um, then also, the RPS Game Club is back up and running. And this month, it's Cobalt Core, which is a sort of space uh, sh- a spaceship fighting uh, roguelike deck builder. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> but everyone... <laughs> I'm trying I, I, to. I, I, I'm eager to. I'm eager to know why, Alice, because I, I, I saw in Slack that you've, <laughs> you just logged in one morning and was like, I'm sorry for what I said about Cobalt Core. Well, I because didn't know I, it, I didn't know what it was, so I was like, ooh. Well, because I, like, the, the night before, I'll see if I can find it on the Slack, but, like, the night before I was playing it and the Slack was still open, and I just was like, I hate Cobalt Core. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the next morning was like, look, I'm sorry I said I hate Cobalt Core, but, like, I'm not enjoying it. I think a large part of that is that I just don't like deck builders, and I don't, mm. you know, I just don't get on with them. So it's not How an ideal game for me. I've never played Slay the, Slay the Spire because I know if I do, I won't like it and people will be disappointed. Like, I just. It's there is complex, Alice. There's no deck builder that I've played that I have not hated. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners can email in if you've got suggestions for deck builders that I'll like, but I, you're wrong. I won't like it. <laughs> like... <laughs> Let me tell you about a little, little game called Hearthstone. <laughs> Don't even fucking come near me with that shit. I've tried hard. Have a nice pint of Domestos with me. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Um, the other members of the RPS Treehouse, many of them really like Cobot Core. So you can stick around and uh, read along as people write about Cobot Core. And then we'll have a live chat at the end of the month to talk about what people thought. But my articles will be like, I'm trying really hard. Sorry. But like... <laughs> Don't like it. Soz. Uh Nate, what have you been playing this week? Uh like I said, a bit of the old Planet Zoo. Um do you know what a biotope is? Please tell me. Uh so it's a thing in um aquascaping where you try and recreate um 
a very, very specific micro-environment, naturally. Uh, so if you were making, um, for example, a uh, biotope of the Rio Negro in Peru, um, you'd have acidic water and lots of leaves and things like that. You're trying to make it, you know. Mm. Um, and so I was, um, you know, like sort of themed areas with uh, zoos where they have them themed on continents. I tried to do like a big African rainforest um, you know, like, um, sort of Arthur Conan Doyle lost world sort of plateaus covered in misty jungle sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then filled it with gibbons. Beautiful. <laughs> Do you remember when I did that, um, one of my Planet Zoo articles for RPS and I had the exhibit called Bear Witness? I don't. Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> The only, it was a giant stone amphitheater, uh, which you entered into the bottom layer of, and there was only one place you could stand, and it was the toilet, uh, and it was surrounded by 100-meter-high glass windows, <laughs> and the, the tiers of the, um, of the amphitheater were absolutely rammed with bears that were all just <laughs> staring down at whoever unfortunate soul was using the shitter. Oh my god! I was just very happy with "Bear Witness" as the title for that. <laughs> it's a real pun-first design. Yeah, <laughs> love it. I, <laughs> I, my favorite. I was it Planet Zoo it was one where there was a a boar trading. Uh, oh, the warthog economy. economic meltdown. Yeah, yeah the warthog economic meltdown. I remember that very fondly. Um, excellent, um, James. It, it sounds to me like a good day to wear hard. It's always a good day to wear hard. Um, uh, uh, not really. Um, but yeah, so NVIDIA's RTX Remix Toolkit uh, has recently gone into open beta. Now, this is basically a set of modding tools that can... With, from my I haven't used it, but from my understanding, it's meant to be like relatively easy. Um, remaster old games so that they can have ray traced lighting or dlss support or by high resolution support or even they it can create like ai generated textures to replace the old ones and it kind of soft launched last year with uh portal with rtx uh which i played it was actually very good uh but now we're starting to see a lot more games get these big remastering mods so there's one for gta san andreas which has path tracing uh, there's one from Ma the original Max Payne. Uh, there's one for Need for Speed Underground 2. Uh, it's been delayed a bit, but there will be one for Half-Life 2, um, which is like another... It's like Portal of RTX is going to be like a relatively uh, big, like very heavily backed by NVIDIA uh, mod for Half-Life 2. Uh, so I think on a, on a purely cold and technical level, it's kind of cool. And yeah, like I said, I did like I did enjoy Portal of RTX. I thought it looked really good. Um, but these tools can really, really change how a game looks, and some of the AI texture stuff in particular can alter the aesthetic of a game in ways that the original developers may or may not have intended if they had the technology at the time, should we say? Um, so I sent I sent around some clips of these RTX Remix mods. And I basically, I seek your opinions. Is it mm. cool? Does it spoil them? Is it f fine, but maybe just a bit weird? Like, what do you think? It, I think it, 
it's variable. It seems very variable. So like with Half Life, uh, it makes it look cool, especially with the lighting. It makes it more horror-y, you know, and kind of spookier. Um, with San Andreas, it looks like less old, but I think it it's I don't know if this was a choice on the 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 person using it, but they've completely kind of removed the the color grading and kind of the tint that one assumes was intentional on the old San Andreas. It really changes the sort of vibe and and the yeah, kind of quality. You, you there's le- there's less of the feeling that you're in this like oppressively hot. Yeah, humid, yeah, exactly. West coast of America. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and then with Max Payne, it just looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it makes Max Payne look like he's had botched plastic surgery in the 90s it... Max Payne looks very shiny in this. yeah <laughs> makes him look well shiny <laughs> it doesn't work at all so I think it's very I think it very much depends what you're applying it to and how do you yeah, know yeah yeah. I, I was actually I was a bit I don't know about I don't know about worried about Half-Life 2 because that that to me has like a very um, like so, like source games from that era in general have like this very distinct look. Um, like you, you could you look at like a square foot of like brick texture from Half Life Two. You could look at it and be like, "That's some source." And yeah, I guess to an, like to a pretty extensive extent, um, like re- remix can replace replace that with stuff that's just kind of like. Because it's AI generated, like doesn't have that same distinctiveness to it. Um, but actually, like Half Life Two RGX, like looks pretty good. Like you said, um, I think mm. it, it, it still like captures the uh, captures the vibe. Um, How do the Gribblies the look? Because I do think that's interesting. Because one of the few areas where I think. Um, the original could have benefited from a, a a little more bells and whistles is in the um oh come on the combine biomechanical sort of creatures like the you know the flying apc and things the because oh, yeah. i really really loved the creature design but i think the textures and and sort of polygon counts they had at the time didn't quite do that sort of techno organic stuff justice do they look really really good now um i don't think we've seen a lot of them in yeah. like the screenshots they've released, to be honest. Um It's a lot of Raven Home and stuff, which I which is, you know, one of yeah, the it's most iconic. Like, it's <laughs> more like environment um environmental changes yeah. rather than like char- character models. Okay. It's an interesting cause like a and um Alice O has done some articles about it. When stuff gets sort of like redid when old stuff gets redid like the Indiana Jones game and stuff sometimes it sort of making it look high definition kind of ruins it which I suppose is the point of this but like updating stuff for an update's sake isn't always good or necessary you know mm. Um, some sometimes it's okay to just enjoy a game as it was but yeah I did I, I think of all of them Half-Life um, looked the best and Max Payne the worst, but as you say, it did the the vibe of San Andreas completely changed, completely changed. Mm, do you know? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's an example of when the addition of like ray tracing or or path tracing in this instance um, can kind of like cause 
like indirectly cause problems. Mm. Um, and all, the other one I always think of, um, and I forgot to link to it, but there's an RTX remix mod for the original Tomb Raider. And so because because all the lighting inside said tombs yeah. needs to be real-time because that's how pathfacing works, they basically had to add brand new sources of light. <laughs> so you'll enter this like 5,000-year-old Egyptian pyramid or something that's somehow full of lit torches. <laughs> Listen, you know, that's the, the old... Um... Lord of the Rings joke, right? Where the the um, Nazgul are backlit, and Sean Astin was like, "Where's the light coming from?" And the guy was like, "Was the AD or someone was like, same place as the music, you know?" <laughs> 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 Sometimes it's fine. Um, can you do us a That's beans metaphor? That. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Can you can you do us a beans metaphor, James? Can I do us a beans metaphor? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good one. Uh, I guess. It it might be if the beans company like releases, oh maybe releases like the recipe for their beans, mm. and I don't know <laughs> subsidizes people to buy spoons and pots to uh, try try and improve it, and some some people do make uh, just a generally a generally nicer like more nutritious tin of beans, but other people attempt to i don't know they put way too much tabasco in the in the sauce say or the or i don't know the beans are the beans are too smooth i don't know smooth beans <laughs> they're glistening too much they are glistening too much they are glistening too much and they have an improper amount of salt on them there you go oh, lovely bravo bravo yeah. indeed uh we're, I'm not sure if we're running like massively under or massively over this week because I balked up, so my recordings all <laughs> whack. So we might, I might have, I might have screwed it up, Lister. I'm sorry. Um, there isn't a, a Tower of Jocularity this week again, is there, Nate? But there uh, no, no, that is that is my bad. So in fact, if there is a smaller yolk in this week's egg, that's because. Well, I'm I'm the chicken, is what I'm saying. Ah, uh, listen, we're yes. all we're all busy chickens, you know. Some yeah, we've all had a week, haven't we? Sometimes the yolk's bigger, sometimes it's smaller. Sometimes we've done very big yolks, you know. So it all evens out at the end. Free range, baby. Free range. I used to have hens. They're fucking awful, awful bastards. They're all horrible. birds are very, 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 very horrible. They are. My that's my mic drop moment there. <laughs> For my limited experience, anyway, hens are awful, horrible. One time, we had hens and we had bantams because I grew up in the country. And one time I was hung over, woke up in my bedroom and I heard like clucking. And I looked up and my younger brother was just standing in my doorway holding one of the bantams, uh, staring at me. And he looked out at the bantam, looked up at me and said, she doesn't like you. Looked out at the bantam again, <laughs> looked up at me, said, I don't like you either. And then just walked <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, that tickled me. And I, and I was monstrously hung over and sort of half asleep. And I was like, did that even happen? What's happening? What is life? Really triggered the fear, you know? <laughs> yeah, so that one's that she didn't like me either. She's awful. 
All that remains then, I guess, is some recommendations. Because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. James, what are you recommending this week? So I've been watching The Brothers Sun uh, on Netflix, which is mostly a comedy drama um, about an American Taiwanese kid in Los Angeles, uh, Alice's favorite city, who discovers <laughs> his estranged family are all high-ranking members of a triad gang, um, as is his non-estranged, non-estranged mother, uh, played by Michelle Yeoh. Um, it also it's it's like it's it's pretty funny and like quite heartwarming, um, and it also uses the stunt choreographers from uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once and the John Wick films. So every now and then, in this like cozy, not, not maybe not cozy, but like comedy drama. Um, there's like this really, really good, impeccably shot martial arts fight scene, um, which is very, very entertaining, and um, good, will yeah. will sustain you if you're a well, if you've got a bit of a monkey brain like me. Uh, yeah, we've been watching it basically every day since the weekend. Uh, it's very good. Lovely. Uh, I'm going to recommend is this year. And actually, was it last week or recently? It was the 20th anniversary of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place coming out on on Channel Four. If you have oh, not, I know. If you have not watched Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, that is a sub recommendation. It is genuinely, I think, still one of the funniest things ever created by man. Subtext is for cowards. I love <laughs> the the it's if you're unaware, it's like. It's, it's a hack horror writer presenting a sort of sub Twilight Zone terrible like horror TV show that he made in the eighties and that has now been resurfaced, um, and is it's interspersed with him and you know people in it giving sort of commentary on how it was made and the themes and stuff. It's one of the uh, first big roles that Matt Berry had, and it's where you first encounter Matt Berry voice. I think um, mm. <laughs> it's really iconic, and it's you will see lots of Garth Marenghi reaction clips and stuff going around. The um, f- like the first episode is like twenty five minutes wall to wall banger jokes. It's so good. Um, it's <laughs> such tight writing. The the. First thing he says is the blood, 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 and bits of sick. Like, that's the first thing he says. So good. Um, I'm not recommending that for my recommendation this week, although do watch it. It's so good. I am recommending the second book in the series of in-character Garth Marenghi horror books that uh, have been written now. Um, The first uh, was called Terror Tome. The second is called Incarcerate. They're really good. So they're written as like a book Garth Marenghi has written. And they star a a horror author (laughs) whose brain has started to like leak and uh, things that he has imagined in his horror books are all coming true. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Like an Argyle. Like Argyle. (laughs) Uh, this is another thing I'll be looking into this week but there's a a film called Argyle which uh, the director Matthew Vaughan retconned a book into existence to promote and then pretended the author was real it's a whole thing, people thought it was Taylor Swift, it's really funny Um, so yeah check out uh, Incarcerate which is the second one really good, it's got one of the best uh, 
maps in the you know insert of a book I've ever seen. It's really funny. It's great. Uh, Nate, what are you recommending this week? Uh, so I'm recommending a board game called Successors uh, by Phalanx. It was originally published by Avalon in 1997. I just found out. Um, it's a card-driven game about uh, the successors to Alexander the Great uh, just going absolutely insane uh, over the remains of his empire after he dies in Babylon. Um, it's a really cool concept for a game, but apart from anything else, really, I think, I'm just recommending the bit of history to you. Um, the Diadochi Wars, or the Wars of the Diadochi, um, mm. And it went on for like 70 years. It's cracking stuff. Um, is is a good game, which is where I learned about it from. But it's really with Alexander the Great, for someone who had such a massive impact on history, like he doesn't fall into a neat, like the Greeks or the Romans, you know, or the Tudors yeah. brackets, who doesn't really get taught in British schools. So I'm just sort of finding out now there was this sort of, like, yeah, just there's just a lot more history that I missed out on, and yeah, the Diadochi Wars and uh, successes by Phalanx, lovely stuff. Would you describe yourself as an amateur historian, Nate? No, I describe myself as a professional historian, because <laughs> I played a board game. <laughs> How many hours of Total War do you have to play before you get your PhD in history? <laughs> uh, that is just about all we have time for this week on the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, which is that about a spell. I think I missed out doing all this spiel at the start, to be honest. So nobody knows what any of our names are until now. Uh, I've been joined by James and by Nate. Um, <laughs> this episode, you can Hi, find. Hi, I'm James. Hi, James. I'm Gandalf. <laughs> oh, shit, Gandalf just walked in. Um, you can find Rock Paper Shotgun on all of your favourite and least favourite social medias. Just search Rock Paper Shotgun on Facebook, YouTube, Zitter, Blue Sky, I think, TikTok probably. All of them we're knocking about. Uh, you can email us, podcast at rockpapershotgun.com with your questions and suggestions and uh, suggestions of card games that I won't like. And you can join the Discord, which is a lovely old place to hang out. The link is in the show notes. But for all of your PC gaming needs, just go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Alice Bell. It's goodbye from James. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Gandnate. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.